0: This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports.
1: Yeah, welcome back to the show, Toronto Today, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you until 1 o'clock. You can get us on Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio, myself at AndyMC81. Jays playing late this afternoon, 407 first pitch. Chris Rowley versus Chris Archer. The Jays still have to leapfrog seven teams for that second wildcard spot. 58 and 62. Still not out of it, but man, that's that's a hill to climb. I don't think they can do it. I'm really going out on a limb there. Having to catch seven teams. But hey, they have to go on what? Five, six, seven, eight game winning streak, and then go on another one. That's the challenge, and that's the hole that they dug themselves. At 1210, Dustin Nielsen, host of Nielsen and Frazier on TSN 1260, our sister station in Edmonton, will join me. Talk about the Leon Drysidle uh, eight year extension, eight and a half million per year. And now you have McDavid Drysidle combined 21 mil. What does that mean, or what could that mean for the Maple Leafs future with Marner? Matthews, and Nylander. Contracts all coming up. What do you do? How do you build this team to keep your stars, but also to not cripple yourself and just be top-heavy? So we'll get into that with Dustin Nielsen. Then we're going to talk some wrestling 1230 with Jason Agnew, host of Live Audio Wrestling. And it comes back to our uh, Twitter poll question. Uh, at Andy Mcd1. At TSN 1050 Radio, Ric Flair, the Nature Boy, in hospital recovering at multiple surgeries. Reportedly, uh, uh, stuff all over the place. Um, last report I heard, still in critical condition. So we're praying for the Nature Boy. But he, one of his nicknames is the dirtiest player in the game. So our question is on Twitter: Who's the most infamous cheater in sports? Lance Armstrong, Tom Brady, slash Bill Belichick, Barry Bonds, or Ben Johnson? On Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio at Andy Mc81, Lance Armstrong. Leading the way, like he did in so many of his races. 57% for Lance Armstrong. Second, Barry Bonds at 19%. 14 for Brady Belichick. 10% for Ben Johnson. And we'll keep the phone lines open for a couple minutes here. 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. Toll free 855-591-6876. Wrestling memories, guys. Like this is, it's not often that we get to bring... Pro wrestling into the the mainstay, right into the main conversation. But guys transcend it, like Ric Flair, his woo at Carolina Hurricane games, giving pep talks to the Cleveland Cavaliers, Carolina Panthers all over the place. Hulk Hogan, everybody on planet Earth knows Hulk Hogan. Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. So we got some tweets in. Uh, <laughs> we got from Corey Ellis on Twitter says uh, for wrestling memories, uh, I saw The Undertaker in Atlanta at Survivor Series in 2015. On my honeymoon, it was amazing to see a legend like that live. Corey, whoever that woman is, never let her go, brother. On your honeymoon, seeing Survivor Series. I can speak for myself. Uh, There probably would have been an annulment if I suggested to my wife, let's go see a wrestling event. That's That's a big no. A big no. And uh, we can go to the phones here, 416-870-1050, 855 Let's go to Andy in Hamilton. Andy, how's it going, buddy? Hey, buddy? I'm doing well, man. What are your, your wrestling memories?
2: You know what? I'm like you. I like the old school stuff. You know, the Raw's War, Raw versus WCW's uh, Nitro. Like, nowadays, it's all bubble gum and watered down crap. I know. It just like, I still watch it, but honestly, man, it's all background background noise to me now. You'll never you'll never see a level of guys like, like like we used to watch. It's unfortunate, but the way it is. It's true. But regarding regarding Flair, you know, every day when I go on Twitter, I'm just dreading to see oh. that one headline that it's all gonna happen. I know. I hope it, I hope it doesn't. But honestly, my best uh, memory right now, of Flair, is a recent one. I'm thinking it's back to WrestleMania 23, when it was his final match against Michael. Oh yeah. And when Michael, gave, when Michael gave him that last switch in music and he said to him, I'm sorry, I love you, and went for the pin, right there, I just, I know it was going to come to an end, but I'm glad the way it happened, and I still get i still get shivers every, every time I think about that. It was emotional, right? It really was. It, it really was emotional. Was. It, was, it was a good way to go out. It was a perfect time to go out, and, you know, I, ho- I hope he doesn't go out anytime soon right now. All the best to him.
1: Yeah, Andy, great call there. and. It's funny, for people who aren't wrestling fans The people who are, there are emotional moments like what Andy just said there uh, with Ric Flair's retirement. Like with The Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania coming to an end. And, and the emotion that it can, or it used to be able to elicit was just, like Hulk Hogan turning into a bad guy, leg dropping Randy Savage and starting the NWO was a world shocker. All over the, like, Hulk Hogan idolized the cleanest uh, prayers, vitamins guy turning heel, turning into a bad guy. Epic moment. Get to uh, Justin in Mississauga here. Justin, what, what's your Ric Flair wrestling memory?
2: Oh, um, man, there's so many. It's like, like, like you. I, I, I love the old school wrestling, and then I got married, and, you know, wives It's don't tougher. Really, it's just a real bummer. Um, but I, back in the day, you know, you like the Ric Flair's and the Hulk Hogan's and things like that. And then when WrestleMania came here, WrestleMania 18, I was too young to go to WrestleMania 6. And then you see Ric Flair and the Undertaker fight. And then later on, you see Hulk Hogan and the Rock fight. And even though from a technical aspect, that Hulk Hogan and Rock match was, you know, not very good. But the whole nostalgia of yep. 77 people... On their feet chanting for Hulk Hogan. The emotion. Freaking two generations together was just something I'll never, ever forget.
1: See, so you, you, so you, I, I was there too. I was there too, Justin. Like it's, And we got a tweet from uh, Amy Blasco on Twitter at ARB913 with the gif of Shawn Michaels kicking Ric Flair saying, um, Shawn Michaels saying, I'm sorry, I love you, sweet chin music, retiring Ric Flair. But I'll tell you, I was at WrestleMania 6 and WrestleMania 18. WrestleMania 6, 1990, at the then Skydome. Hogan Ultimate Warrior. Okay? 1990. How old was I? Nine years old. And biggest Hogan fan. My brother was an Ultimate Warrior fan. And it, the crowd was split. Hogan lost. And at that time, remember guys, at that time, Hulk Hogan, wrestling was still, eh, is it real, is it not, is it before the internet and all that type of thing. Hogan lost. And I don't care, Scrizz or Joe, if you judge me for this. I wept as a nine-year-old boy. I cried that Hulk Hogan lost to the Ultimate Warrior. I was beside myself. He, ha- he didn't lose. He didn't lose. And then WrestleMania 18, as uh, the caller Justin right there said, uh, Hogan versus Rock. So I was at that one, the Rogers Center, and both set Skydome records. And the Rock there. And I was screaming so loud. That was 2002, I think. Uh, I was screaming so loud I almost passed out. I hit a guy behind me by accident, like with my hand just cheering. And he looked at me and apologized to me. And my buddy said, you look so insane, nobody's going to look at you. It was, <laughs> it was absolutely wild. And the, the emotion that it's able to bring out. You hear the nostalgia in people's voices, right? Like we all, we all watch hockey, football and all that. But the wrestling, especially as a kid back then, was something special. Right? It was something special. Like, Scrizzy, do you got a, a favorite wrestling moment? You're a big wrestling dude. Well, for Ric Flair, it's funny. After that Ric Flair match, the night after on Raw was his, like, goodbye ceremony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came out. When The Undertaker comes out, gives him the knee and the, right. the, the salute right. at the end. Unreal. It was. It was. And for Ric Flair, like, epic matches. And people forget, too, back when Flair was really rolling in the 80s, if you are in Toronto... Toronto was a WWE territory, so we didn't get to see on TV WCW or Ric Flair. So getting the um, DVD sets and all that to watch Flair, I was able to appreciate him more as an adult because you didn't get to see him that much in this particular area. All right, we'll get to more wrestling talk a little bit later with Jason Agnew as Ric Flair recovers in hospital. Let's bring on now Dustin Nielsen, host of Nielsen & Fraser on TSN 1260 in Edmonton. Dustin, how's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm doing good, everybody. How are you?
3: I'm doing good. You,
1: you, you missed some hot Ric Flair wrestling talk. You, you got a favorite oh, Ric I was Flair memory? Say,
3: that's before my generation. If you want to talk <laughs> Stone Cold and The Rock and Mankind, that's, uh, that's, more, that's more of my age group. That's, that's all <laughs>
1: up with you. So, uh, did you have a favorite wrestling moment from that time? From the Attitude Era? Ah, uh, geez.
3: Favorite wrestling moment Stunning Santa? from that time? Probably when Stone Cold came out with the truck.
4: Oh. And just
3: sprayed everybody with beer or so-called beer. Yeah, <laughs> I think that would probably have been my would have been my favorite time. And of course, uh, Mankind getting tossed. Oh, that was that was insane. I mean, that's Epic. just ridiculous. I don't even know how they allow that. Uh,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, all right, Dustin. Let's get to the, uh, the the serious business at hand. Leon Dreisaitl is a rich man. Eight years, eight and a half million dollars. So now with him and Connor McDavid, they're what combined around twenty-one million. Um, obviously. The Oilers weren't going to let Dreisaitl get away. But you see in this salary cap era, you can become too top-heavy. What does this deal do to the Oilers continuing to build what they hope to be a championship-caliber team?
3: Yeah, um, I think think the word Peter Sorelli used yesterday was he sees it as a challenge. I mean, and it will be. But at the same time, you've locked up two of the best young talents in the game through basically their entire prime. So it's a challenge that I guess, is necessary for you at this point. What what it means, likely, and I think next year, if my math was correct, they have about 13 guys signed next season for about 60 mil. So it's not a lot of wiggle room to round out that roster. So there will be some sacrifices that will have to be made along the way, whether it's Ryan Nugent Hopkins next year or maybe Pat Maroon has another big year and you have to let him walk as a UFA because you can't afford to to give him what he needs. Maybe it's one of their young defensemen on a second contract that either has to take a hit or gets moved. So there will be some sacrifices along the way here. But at the same time, when you have a guy like McDavid, you don't need a seven million dollar winger right. riding shotgun with him. I mean, Pat Maroon essentially was a nothing player for his entire career. And then he got on McDavid's line and almost scored 30. So I think you'll be able to make up. Some of the overpayment if you want to call it for a couple of these guys by having some, some discounted guys on their wings which which should help you be close to leveling things out. So having
1: guys, yeah, that are more of a fit role player type that can slide in with that particular player rather than, than yeah, going too star heavy and then you're you're stuck in other areas.
2: Yeah,
3: I mean if you if you look at it, I mean take for example the Penguins this year. Yes, they had Phil Kessel on the wing and that and that definitely helps. But Jake Gensel, entry level deal, mm-hmm. Connor Sheary entry-level deal. If the Oilers are going to have success, they're going to need a, a great cajula on an entry-level deal to ride shotgun with McDavid and, and score 25 maybe next season. So it'll be those types of guys that Shirelli will have to be very careful about and, and hit on if the Oilers are going are to have that success.
1: In conversation with Dustin Nielsen, host of Nielsen and Frazier on TSN 1260. Edmonton on Twitter at NielsenTSN1260. So, Dustin, this kind of parallels like a year in advance of what the Maple Leafs might go through. And you have Matthews, Marner, and Nylander, similar, I guess, to McDavid, Drysdale, and Nugent Hopkins. And I like, I like what you said about not necessarily having to pay that big end winger, that top dollar, because you can slide in pieces. Like With a William Nylander type, that seems to be the odd guy out to me, at least at this point, or at least the most tradable asset, if you assume that Marner and Matthews are the untouchables. Um, do you see something along those lines, like a, a comparable between Edmonton and Toronto situations?
3: Well, yeah, I think I, I think there's definitely a comparable. And I, I know from afar, walking to Toronto, seeing that a lot of people talk about, you know, do they have to move one of those guys to... To get that defenseman, I don't want to bring up the whole Hall Larson thing, but mm. at some point the Leafs are going to be a pretty darn good team, and to take that next step, they'll probably need to bring in a D man. Even though I mean I like Gardner and Riley and, and Zaitsev to be around for a while, but you might need to upgrade that. So there will be an opportunity there to bring in a guy who's a little bit cheaper in the blue line. I think the one thing that we need to discuss a little bit, and I, I was off yesterday, I wasn't on my show yesterday, but I know the one thing and following on Twitter that not a lot of people discussed and this will be the same thing when these deals get done for Marner and Matthews in Toronto is that everybody's like, oh, eight and a half million for Dreisaitl. All right, that's going to be tough. But we have to remember, Dreisaitl is 21, and, Matthews, and like, Matthews is a teenager still. So they're going to get better. I mean, this yeah. is not the best Leon Dreisaitl we'll see. What if Dreisaitl next year is an 85-point guy? I mean, he's 21. He's probably, what would it be, 22 uh, through next season, and he's only going to be getting better. So even, even with McDavid, all these young guys, Line and Nikolai Ehlers in, in Winnipeg, when they get these deals done, these guys are not, these are not Kopitar, who's already won, you know, individual awards sure. and Stanley Cups and isn't getting any better getting this money. These are guys who are going to be locked up on massive contracts, but through their prime. And these guys, when they're 23, 24 years old, will be the top, in the top, Five players in the National Hockey League, and I don't see anybody complaining about the salary at that point,
1: right? And at at some point too, Dustin, like it's going to be that these contracts are deemed as bargains, or at least as value. As now, Drysaddle has set the new tier. So, in what five, six years, it's going to be. Oh, it's it's only eight and a half mil for a top level guy who's still in his prime.
3: Yeah, he's going to be he's going to be twenty seven years old. He's going to have probably five or six seasons where he's had at least 70 points. Maybe they have a Stanley Cup to show for it. And they better with <laughs> the two guys that they've decided to give $21 million to. But if that's the case, then he's been worth $8.5 million for all that sure. time. So salaries are not going to be going down at any point. He's only going to be getting better. And I think that's the way we have to look at it with, with a lot of these young guys, even when Ico gets his deal done down in Buffalo.
1: I think, too, Like what, what gets me is, Leaf fans hand-wringing as, oh, what are we going to do? Well, and then point to, well, look at Chicago, now they're in trouble. Well, they have a couple of Stanley Cups, so who cares? Like, give me that problem. Like, I'm sure Euler fans would say, hey, you know what? In five years, if we have two Stanley Cups, I'll deal with whatever salary crunching or, or issues come then if I have two parades. Like, I, I, I want that problem.
3: Yeah, you, need, you know what? You need, to, you need to look at it that way. Now... I had Kane and Taze got paid after winning cups, and Crosby and Malcolm, they won some cups, but the Penguins just won back-to-back cups uh, with those two guys on their big-ish deals, if mm-hmm. you want to call them that. And the reason they were able to do it is because of the guys, like I mentioned. First of all, they're not winning either of those cups if they don't have Flurry and Murray in that.
1: Yeah, so great regardless, point.
3: you need to have goaltending. Cool and then, I mean, they didn't have anybody significant on the blue line, and they still managed to to get the job done there. So. The important thing is, yeah, you're going to be paying these guys, but you have to pay those guys that money, and then you have to be careful with what you do around those guys, which is why a lot of people can be critical of the Lucy deal, and they can be critical of the Russell deal. And those are the ones that are con- ca- going to cause problems. These guys aren't going to cause problems with these dollars.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think the, the theme out of here, Dustin, is, all right, you keep your top talent, but at some point you're going to have to make tough decisions possibly move out a winger type, and try to fill in those other spots. Because for the Maple Leafs, you still need a top-pairing defenseman if you want to take that next step. You you just do. And maybe at some point, Nylander's a part of a package where, hey, perfect world, of course you'd love to keep him. But you have a lot of depth, a lot of youth there, and you're going to have to make those tough decisions, just like the Oilers had to do.
3: Well, yeah, and you know, the one thing that the Leafs have going for them is that I think they've got some good young guys coming along as a supporting cast yeah. for Matthews and Warner, so they, they probably don't have to worry about addressing those other issues with overpayment contracts, right? So those guys can continue to come along and be three or four million dollar players, and then you can afford if you need to move mm-hmm. Nielander for a defenseman who's going to cost you a chunk of change, but maybe that missing piece for the team. So to me, it's all about balance once you once you lock up the guys that you need to lock up at the dollars they
0: require.
1: Dustin, last one for you here. The Oilers, overall, right last year, one hundred and three points. What a year they had! Um, going into this season, where do you feel are their weak points? Where do they still have to get better?
3: Oh, it's a good question. I know those odds came out that had them as like the number two favorite for the Stanley mm. Cup, and I don't know if I, I think <laughs> that highly of them just yet. I'd like to see it another season like the one they just had, or a little bit better um, before I'd probably be buying into them as the Western Conference favorite, but. I, uh, the continued development of, of the young guys on their blue line, I think, I think will be important. Nurse and Benning and those guys will have to continue to get better. If Cam Talbot can play as good as he played last year, you know, they'll obviously be in the mix again. And, and then up front, it will just be the support scoring. I mean, is Ryan News and Hopkins, if he is going to be a third line center, uh, what's he going to be able to, to bring to the table as secondary production five on five here? So that it doesn't all have to be on McDavid and saddle. and I think in the end uh, those two guys will will get there. So the Oilers will be good, but how good they'll be will probably come down to the to the supporting cast around those guys. and And at some point, and, and I think Shirelli's been pretty smart here about his uh, salary cap for this year. Uh, moving forward, there might be in a tough spot, but for this year, with McDavid's new deal not kicked in yet. He's going to have, uh, I think, in the overall scheme of things, a significant amount of wiggle room come deadline time. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there because that might be what the season comes down to for this guy, for this,
4: for this team.
1: Dustin, thank you so much, buddy. We'll do it again soon. All right, man. Have a good show. Thanks. All right. That is Dustin Nielsen, host of Nielsen and Frazier on TSN1260 out in Edmonton on Twitter at NielsenTSN1260. And out there in Edmonton, too. The uh, Edmonton Eskimos have a a big game CFL-wise to kick off Week 9 as they go into Winnipeg to take on the Blue Bombers. Argonauts coverage Saturday afternoon here on the station, 4 p.m. kickoff. I have the pregame show at 3.30 as they welcome in the Montreal Alouettes. Looks like Ricky Ray should be starting. Still taking reps and coming off of that injured shoulder. So a whole lot more. And if you want your CFL fix also, you can head over to tsn1050.ca under the CFL Weekly Show page or on my Twitter handle, at AndyMC81. I have the link uh, pinned up there to this week's show. Chatted with uh, the always entertaining Ricky Foley, now at the BC Lions, formerly of the Argonauts, and uh, Argos GM, Jim Pop, as well. So if you want your CFL fix, you can always check that out. Uh, Still to come on the show, we'll talk Ric Flair and SummerSlam with Jason Agnew host of Live Audio Wrestling. We want to get to some of our Twitter uh, results here. We can open the phone lines back up. 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. Toll free 1-855-591-6876. On favorite wrestling memories, memories of Ric Flair. Um, we don't get to talk about it too often. Unfortunately, it's because Ric Flair is uh, not doing too well in hospital after surgeries. And, and we hope for him the, uh, the very best for him. Uh, one of the greatest of all time. But, hey, wrestling's emotional. It's, it's fun, and especially as a kid. Like, it was the real-life superheroes. We had a couple great calls earlier, so if you want your, uh, your opportunity to chat some wrestling, old-school memories, whatever, Rick Flair, 416-870-1050, or toll-free on Twitter, too, at TSN1050radio, myself at AndyMC81, and our Twitter poll question, in honor of the dirtiest player in the game, Rick Flair, who's the most infamous cheater in sports? Lance Armstrong, Tom Brady slash Bill Belichick, Barry Bonds, or Ben Johnson. Lance Armstrong leading the way at 56% on Twitter. Have, uh, from at Josh Mosco says Tanya Harding, hashtag why, why with Nancy Kerrigan. Tanya Harding, uh, that's a good one. Hired the guy to whack poor Nancy Kerrigan. Then at Mike Southern1, says, Lance Armstrong is a cop-out. All the other riders were drug-induced as well. Notice no one was awarded as the winner of the tour. So, eh, that's fair. And apparently, yeah, lots of guys were doing it. He was the most publicized, obviously, and kept denying it. And, and we'll go down despite those other cyclists doing it. You'd say the same thing for Barry Bonds. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. Everyone was doing it. Had to do it to keep up. Is that acceptable? Well, not in the eyes of a lot of people. Also on Twitter at Moots1977 says Armstrong overall, but nobody cares about cycling. So Johnson for the Canadians. I'd agree with you, Moots. I don't think cy- <laughs> for most people cycling isn't the, f- the front of mind. But Lance Armstrong was such an inspirational figure. Like, he went beyond sports. We talk about Ric Flair and the crossover of wrestling. Uh, Lance Armstrong transcended sport with his cancer charity with the Live Strong. With the, the wristbands and all the good he did there and then it just totally dejected people when it came out that he did actually cheat. And when it it did come out that he he did lie. Right. So uh have another uh tweet on, on Twitter about Ric Flair. Uh, For favorite wrestling memory from at Daryl underscore Samuels says, uh, Ric Flair-wise, for me, it has to be his feuds in the late 80s, early 90s with Randy Savage and saying Elizabeth was lusting for Flair. That's one of the all-time great rivalries, Ric Flair and Randy Macho Man Savage. Ric Flair had so many great moments. and and He's, he's, again, one of those transcending guys. He's at Carolina Hurricane Games. You hear the woo. Like there's few there's few crossover stars in any sport worldwide that have like a phrase you just say it or say their name and they know. Like you go up to most people anywhere, you say you give the woo, they know it's Ric Flair. Or you say the name Hulk Hogan, they're gonna know who that is. The Rock, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, they're gonna know who that is. That's why wrestling's laughed at a lot of times, but it it has an impact on people. Right? It, it has that emotional impact. The callers we had were great earlier. Talking about, yeah, like when Ric Flair got retired by Shawn Michaels, when you saw Hulk Hogan and The Rock at Skydome for WrestleMania 18. Like it's, a, it's a, a, a male soap opera. So we'll get into some more Flair talk and uh, talk some SummerSlam as well as tee up the Blue Jays game against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Chris Rally on the mound for Toronto. But after the break, bottom of the hour, Jason Agnew, host of Live Audio Wrestling, joins me. A lot more coming up on Toronto Today. Woo! Oh, the theme of the nature boy. Rick Flair. Iconic. Welcome back to Toronto Today. I'm Andy McNamara, you're listening on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and on the iHeartRadio app. Get us on Twitter, at tsn1050radio, at andymc81. And the reason we're playing Nature Boy, there's, there's, you never need a reason to play the woo. But Ric Flair, in hospital, uh, recovering but not doing well. And we want to honor his legacy, a crossover star, like a Hulk Hogan. A Stone Cold, a Rock, for so his legacy, and also huge WWE card this weekend, SummerSlam. So welcome on host of live audio wrestling Sundays at eleven here on TSN 1050. Jason Agnew on the line. Jay, how's it going? I'm doing
0: all right. And how are you? Doing?
1: I'm well, man. And you know what? If ever I get an excuse to play a woo uh, on yeah. the air, I'm going to take it. That's that's number one.
0: Um, I hear you, but in this particular circumstance. Uh, sorry, in, in like intensive care, critical condition, uh, in hospital, and they're hoping he's going to pull through. But you know, there was a tweet put out by his fiance saying, "You know, we need all all your prayers at this time." Oh. Uh, he's still not in the clear. Jeez,
1: and that's that's terrible. Like you just you always think of Ric Flair having a good time, yep. right? In those those promos, and I was saying earlier, Jay, that the people in the Toronto area, like Toronto, back in the '80s when Flair was really rolling, was a vince mcmahon senior and junior and wwe territory so on tv you didn't really get to see rick flair or the wcw slash nwa it was mainly um mainly wwf and so a lot of us came into really appreciating rick flair when the dvd set came out or you were able to get access and just realize how amazing he was and the crossover level that he did have into mainstream media
0: yeah, you know, it, it was always strange with Flair. You're absolutely right. Up here in Toronto, it was Jack Tunney doing the promotions, and it wasn't been sick man territory. So what all of us grew up with, who maybe in our 30s now, you know, we grew up with Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. and watching the baby face, right, defend against whether it be, you know, the Iron Sheik or whatever big guy that they happen to roll in against Hogan, whereas the NWA, when the Carolinas at Atlanta, I mean, that's Flair territory. And it was always the heel, Ric Flair, who had the title and would cheat to win and keep that title and you'd run a whole bunch of baby faces in against him over and over again. And it wasn't until Flair made the transition into the WWF at the time, which would have been in the early 90s, and one of his big moments walking in was... Taking the title with him from the NWA and having to blur it on WWF television, and then we all remember that Royal Rumble that he was in, and he went a full hour and he won the title. And Bobby Heenan was on commentary talking about how intelligent Flair was because he was just sitting in the corner waiting. (laughs) And it was one of the greatest Rumble performances of all time to this day. You know, one that people still think back on. And you're absolutely right as far as a crossover star has gone. I mean, that Woo for those of you who watched eastbound and down, uh, you had Will Farrell base his character of Ashley Schaefer with the long blonde hair and the sunglasses on Ric Flair and doing that woo. And you hear that woo and you just know, I mean, over the past few years, we've seen the Macho Man Randy Savage pass away. Just last year, it was Roddy Piper passing away. Dusty Rhodes recently. And you know these are all guys that we grew up with. And you know they've lived good lives, but you said Rick loved the party, and Rick really did love the party. And as he's in his, you know, 60s now, and we're seeing the ramifications of that partying.
1: Yeah, it came out, and, and still, you know what? This, this the, the life he led, surviving the plane crash, broken back, yeah. and and all that. Uh, to to even make it to 68, compared to some of the other guys who have passed away, a lot of them in their 40s, like Rick Rude, and you know, you run down the list. Um, it seems amazing he's even made it this far.
0: Uh, it does. I think part of it, I mean, he just had a very, very durable body. Yeah. Uh, Rick Flair was taking bumps, you know, probably into his 60s. He was sure. still getting in the ring. He went over to TNA Wrestling for a while after he supposedly retired in that match with Shawn Michaels in, in WWE. He was just so durable. And, I mean, he was also a guy who was on the road in wrestling, and you mentioned the plane crash. And with the other guys you mentioned, such as you look back at the, you know, the Rick Rude, the Davy Boy Smith, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys, you look at the body type. It's a very different body type than what Ric Flair had. And, you know, say what you will about that era of WWE where, you know, there was a whole bunch of party drugs and there was also a whole bunch of, you know, steroid abuse going on. I'm not sure how much Rick dug into the steroids until maybe the later stages of his career. So he wasn't that much of an abuser. But as far as the partying went, there was no one that partied harder than Rick. Legendary. In you com- got it.
1: In conversation with Jason Agnew, host of Live Audio Wrestling, and catch it Sundays at 11 p.m., he here on TSN 1050. So, uh, Jay, when we look at at again Rick Flair, and I, I mentioned it earlier in the show. You have at Carolina Hurricane games, the Woo. Yeah. You have uh, he's giving pep talks to the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James to Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers and all that the, the, with the crossover. But match wise, like where we grew up. Uh, with Hulk Hogan and stuff and uh, just from the youth I'm a Hogan guy first just because that's what I grew up with but the match is very basic told the story but that's what you were used to watching what Ric Flair was doing is was uh, like decades ahead of his time as far as match quality which was so different and a lot harder on the body
0: yeah, I mean Hogan was mainly the talk and once you got into the ring there was a big boot, a body slam and a leg drop yeah. to end it and everyone walked away happy. With Rick Flair there was much more of a work rate that was going on there. And you mentioned earlier I was listening in about his feud with Macho Man Randy mm. Savage, but if you go before that into the NWA, he had a couple great runs with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat oh, yeah, that yeah. a lot of people, you know, watching the WWF product had no idea this was happening. In about eighty nine or so there were these matches that would go forty five minutes. And he and Steamboat would have these amazing matches. And you're right, it was was a totally different way of looking at wrestling. And we saw it later in the WWF, you know, when Bret Hart became the champion and Shawn Michaels, you know, that was the work rate that Ric Flair was putting forth way before those guys were doing it
1: yeah and and certainly ahead of his time, uh, let's get into SummerSlam here, so this yep. Sunday, and uh, you're going to full uh post card coverage on the lot at 11 p.m. on TSN 1050. Uh, so what are we looking at SummerSlam wise?
0: Well, it's it's going to be curious to see what the, uh, the WWE decides to do with that title, with Brock Lesnar currently holding it. You got a four-way happening at the top of the card with Lesnar, Samoa Joe, uh, Roman Reigns, and the new brute Braun Strowman that's in there. But of course, to relate it back to a sports audience, there's all the rumors going around about Brock Lesnar and John Jones calling him out yeah. at the last UFC card. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I personally think Lesnar will hold on to the title for a while. He's still got to re-register with USADA, and then work out a suspension that he's still serving for, you know, on a, a drug failure from his last fight versus Mark Hunt, but I do expect Jones and Lesnar to happen, but I don't expect it to happen until July of next year, so thus, I do think that Lesnar will be walking in and walking out as champion at SummerSlam.
1: And Jay, one more for you here. What about the, um, McGregor-Mayweather fight coming up real soon? And we've seen, uh, Floyd Money-Mayweather, uh, relating it back to wrestling. He's been, uh, involved in the WWE from time to time. Connor McGregor looks like, my goodness, whenever he wants, could be, could just. Well,
0: Connor, uh, you guys, you know what, Andy, you bring up Connor McGregor, and this is another thing that Ric Flair crossed over with. Connor McGregor's act is completely based on styling and profile yeah. and oh, yeah. being Ric Flair. He's the limousine riding, jet flying, like he is the living embodiment of what Ric Flair did in the 1970s and early 80s. That is Conor McGregor Mm -hmm. right now, except he's doing it in a different sport. And, I mean, he has talked his way into this fight with Mayweather, and Mayweather just knows this is the one one guy out there that he is going to draw huge money with. Will the fight be good? Absolutely not. I'm with you. But... It's going to be a great hype, and we're going to watch this thing happen, and curiosity is going to peak. And I'm in belief that this is going to be the biggest pay-per-view of all time.
1: Like, this is, yeah, it's the curiosity factor, a uh, huge payday. And, you know, both of them, they can insult each other as much as they want. They'll be high-fiving behind doors the amount of cash oh, yeah. they'll be making. And, and, okay. uh, and like, But, Jay, I, I'm, I'm with you on the fact that I think it's going to be a terrible fight because this yeah. is how I see it going down. It's going to be Mayweather jabbing McGregor to death. And it's just going to be a plodding, slow, uninteresting match. And the only way it ends, like, I I don't think it ends in knockout. And maybe only due to stoppage from cuts because McGregor takes too many jabs.
0: But but on the other hand, and there's a ton of MMA fans out there thinking, but what if he catches Mayweather once? What if it's that one punch? What if he isn't fast enough because he's older now and McGregor's the younger Boy. one and everyone is out there just thinking if he hits him with one, he'll daze him and hit him with a second one. He's got something. a puncher's chance. Could, like, could you imagine, Andy? Like, if that were to happen, <laughs> the mayhem that would ensue. It would be next. And, and you
1: know what? I hope that happens just because it would be interesting. Yeah. But like Mayweather, he's built on boring defensive fights, oh, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's successful. But, but yeah, if he caught
0: him, oh, man, like, it would rock the world. You're right. Would- and that's what the whole fight's being built on, that and the talk. And, I mean, it's all curiosity. I'm curious to see it. And I'm I'm ready to be disappointed.
1: Damn it, now I'm going to go buy it. Thanks, Jason. Man. All right, well, we'll, we'll hear all the updates uh, of SummerSlam and updates on Ric Flair uh, this Sunday
0: on The Law. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. By the way, the law this week will be happening after SummerSlam. WWE is going to run long, so uh, Ah. we're going to leave you on the air beforehand, and then we'll show up at about 11.30 or
1: so. 11.30. Okay, so after SummerSlam. So when SummerSlam's done, you switch it to 10.50 and hear the law. You got it. Beautiful. All right, brother. Talk to you soon.
0: Thanks, Andy. Too. All
1: right. Jason Agnew, host of Live Audio Wrestling on Twitter, at AgnewJason. And as you said, yeah, right after um, SummerSlam. And they talk... uh, uh, all the big stories around wrestling from all over the world. I've been listening to The Law. My goodness. It started, oh, I should have asked Jason, like, what, 20-something years ago? What, Dan Levransky and um, all the way back. Tremendous show. Tremend- very entertaining. Even if you're a fringe wrestling fan, always worth uh, a good listen there. Uh, all right, we're going to take our last break, and we're going to come back with a poll update, talk some Blue Jays, get ready to take on the Tampa Bay Rays just after 4 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, more coming up here on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Absolutely. Um, that's
0: what I pride myself on. I want to be that guy to go 200, every single year. Be that guy to be counted on every single time I take the ball
2: every fifth day to kind of give the bullpen a rest and give uh, give us some length so I pride myself on that that's why I work as hard as I do
1: That is Marcus Stroman after his 11th win of the season yesterday Jays hang on 3-2 over the Tampa Bay Rays Welcome back as we wrap up Toronto Today I'm Andy McNamara with you till the top of the hour then the Scott McArthur show takes over You can get us on Twitter at TSN1050Radio. Myself at AndyMC81. And yeah, with Marcus Stroman, we know, controversial. He's filled with passion, with energy. It doesn't sit well with everybody, though. And he said he wants to be 200-plus inning guy. Last year, a total of 204 innings. This year so far, 159 and a third uh, with a much better ERA, 2.99. he's been dealing, man. Like Marcus Stroman without a doubt, the best pitcher on this roster in the in the Jays rotation. But is he an ace? As in a true ace? Like should we be considering Marcus Stroman really in the upper echelon of pitchers in baseball, of starters? Um so last night. Well, a uh, tough one for for the Jays as far as they got the win. But you had Ryan Goins get his arm stepped on it. And I'm sure you've seen If you haven't, you can check it out on tsn.ca. Slid into second, advancing on a wild pitch. Second baseman stepped on his forearm, his left forearm with his cleats. And you just saw the pain. Oh, the pain in poor Ryan Goins' face. And there was cuts and all that. Turns out, oh, there's no break, it's, it's bruising, but oh boy, that, that looked painful. Like, the expression on his face, oh man, that was rough. Now, also, you had manager John Gibbons chucked out of the game, turfed for arguing balls and strikes. And it seems like with Gibby, a lot of the time when he gets tossed, it's with Marcus Stroman on the hill and Jay's bench boss, DeMarlo Hale, uh, spoke after the game about uh, Gibbons's relationship with players and the ejections this year.
3: Demarlo, four of five of Gibby's ejections have been in Strowman's starts. Do you think he gets fired up by the Stroh show?
4: <laughs> you know what? I didn't know that. Um, I, I just think it's the moment. You know, um, you know, and I, and I understood it was a big moment, and um, you know there were some close pitches and. You know, Gibby got his back of his players, you know, and, and, and they love him for that, you know, because he, he's going to go to bat for him.
1: That's tomorrow Hale, the Jays. And Steve Phillips was on the station earlier today, and he also spoke about Gibbons and Stroman and their game day relationship.
4: Well, I, I think, you know what it is, is that I think that Stroman is a really tough pitcher to umpire because he has such extraordinary movement on his pitches that the umpires get fooled or... The dugout can get full that there's so many borderline pitches that start over the plate that break to the quarter that you want to get. And I think the other part of it is that Stroman has such an emotional reaction to everything that Gibby feels that he needs to draw the attention to himself instead of the umpire being or the opposition being attracted to Stroman's emotions on the mound. So I think there's a couple factors involved there. Uh, and and you know, listen, Gibby can get ejected with the best of them. And the amazing part is, I had John Gibbons as a minor league manager back when I was running the bats. Uh, and one of the thoughts I had, and one of the knocks I had against him, was that I didn't know that he'd be tough enough because he was so easygoing. I didn't know if he'd be tough enough to jump on guys when they needed it, or he'd be able to jump, you know, in a situation like like I want to I want to dial it back a little bit right now because he's he's more than willing to dive all in. He certainly has made an adjustment, or I was way off on
1: Gibbons. That was Steve Phillips earlier on the station today on the morning show, uh, talking about Gibbons and Stroman and the relationship. And, and yeah, like sometimes getting tossed and a manager coming up and being fired up, it's it's planned, right? Like it's not all spur of the moment. It's to take the attention off of a player or to say, all right, hey, we don't want we don't want our our player tossed. Get rid of me, and to deflect that way and. Gibby certainly does that. There's no doubt Gibby is a a player's coach. But for the Jays, oh boy, it's still still a big mountain to climb. But the I want to go back to the question of is Marcus Stroman a true ace? Should he be considered a true ace? Absolutely, he's the ace of this staff. But should he be mentioned in the likes of the upper echelon? Eleven and six. That was his record in 2014. ERA. Lowest of his career over an extended period of time right now, just under three at two point nine nine. One hundred thirty-one strikeouts to just fifty walks. So for for Stroman, is he an ace? Steve Phillips, our MLB insider, answered that question.
4: He is closer to being an ace than I certainly was willing to give him credit for. You know, I liked him, but you know, he doesn't look like an ace. His stuff isn't, you know, I mean, it's really good, but it's not the great dominating stuff for some of the pitchers out there today. But I watched that game yesterday, and I tweeted out that, he, I mean, he was filthy, absolutely filthy hitter, but hitters would think that they were centering up his fastball, and then it would sink below his bat at the last minute. And then he'd throw his slider in exactly the same spot. The hitter would think, "Okay, I'm going to make the adjustment and go down to try to get the sinker, and then it would break the other way." He made good hitters look bad yesterday, uh, and uh, I got to tell you, he's uh, at this time of year he had some of his best stuff of the season yesterday, and that's not always easy when you get to the month of August.
1: Steve Phillips on Naylor and Landsberg this morning on TSN 1050. Yeah, and he's been keeping it up, right? Like he's been he's been grinding all year long. And for Marcus Stroman, certainly a bright spot in a very disappointing year for the Toronto Blue Jays. So Jays go at it this afternoon, four oh seven start. Chris Archer uh, up against Chris Rowley, one 0 1.69. Here's what what I, I counter with to Jays fans and say they're not out of it. If you're trotting out Chris Rowley and you're really in a playoff race, you're not doing it. Is my point. You're not having. A Chris Rally. You're not having these, these call ups and be contenders. You're just not. So for the Jays, if you look at the standing still, all right, three and a half games out of the final wildcard card spot. But you still have to pass Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Texas, Seattle, Minnesota, Kansas City, and then Los Angeles. Seven teams. So, you have to go on a winning streak and you got to start sweeping series, not just win series. You got to start sweeping because everybody ahead of you isn't just going to fall off the face of the earth. Right? You got Kansas City that's pretty darn good, Seattle's been up and down. And you still have to pass two teams in your own division. You're a half game back of Baltimore, game back of the Tampa Bay Race. That's why this race series is so important. Because, like, the time for okay, well, there's it's it's still early, or or there's still some time, or no, that has gone, that's way gone. Like, you had to have already started to win. It is, uh, man. Like, if Strowman's an upside, Strowman's a nice story, but it's it's too little, too late. So now you just want to make sure people finish strong, don't get hurt, and carry on from there. Let's get a final poll update here. Uh, on at TSN 1050 Radio, myself at Andy mc 81 So it was honor of Ric Flair today. We have the nature boy Ric Flair, wrestling legend, Hall of Famer, in our thoughts and prayers. Uh, Jason Agnew was on, said he's uh, all reports in critical condition and still in the hospital. But our poll question, in honor of him, who's the most infamous cheater in sports? Ric Flair was notorious, thumbs to the eye, doing whatever it took to win. Lance Armstrong, Tom Brady slash Bill Belichick. Barry Bonds or Ben Johnson? Lance Armstrong, 58% leads the way. Barry Bonds in second. Brady Belichick in third. And Ben Johnson in fourth place there. So, yeah, I, I guess with... like I voted Barry Bonds just because he was a part of... of breaking that historic record after Maguire and Sosa did it. So maybe you could say, all right it was already on that way and everybody was doing it. That's what Tristan on Twitter said, at Tristan underscore Fitz said, thing with Lance Johnson and Bonds is everyone else was cheating. They were just the best at it. Can't say the same for Brady and Belichick. And that's an interesting take. Because, listen, NFL teams too and coaches and players, if you can tweak the rules or bend things to get an advantage, you're going to do it all the time. But yeah, in their sports, in cycling, baseball, and track, uh, many people were taking, were, were taking performance-enhancing drugs. And if you weren't, you weren't in the conversation of being competitive. So it all depends what your mindset's about there. So uh, great show, everybody. I'll be back with you tomorrow, 11 to 1. Um, by the way... Toronto Today, brought to you in part by Leasebusters. They'll get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie. A piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit Leasebusters.com. So for producer Joe Narsa, Mike Skrzyniak, I'm Andy McNamara. The Scott McCarthy Show with Mike Hogan is up next. Oh, and he's running into the studio. Oh, Lord. We'll take the break. We'll be back. You're listening to TSN 1050. I cheat all the time.